Nations Church Podcast. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning as we continue our series, If I Had Only fill in the blank. Um, And so this week, is this whole sermon could be a series. So um, I'm going to be going really quick and really fast, so hang on. Um, But at the end of this message, we've got a bunch of people getting baptized. And let me say this. If you showed up this morning, you're like, you know what? I've never taken the plunge. I've never gotten baptized. And I really need to go public with my walk. We believe in chaos here at Foundations Church. If you don't believe me, go to the four and five-year-old room right now. Um, We believe and embrace chaos, and we just think chaos happens when Jesus shows up a little bit. And so um, if you'd like to get baptized and you didn't bring clothes, we'll have a t-shirt for you. We don't have shorts. We'll have a towel for you, and you could go out into the lobby right now, and we'll have a staff member that will meet you and help you get signed up if you'd like to get baptized, if you'd like to take that step um, this morning. And crowd, you guys are here. This is the, this is the touchdown of Foundations Church of Christianity. This is, I mean, we get rowdy during football, no matter what your team is, we should get really rowdy, really excited when people are coming up out of the water saying, the old is gone, the new has come, this is the new me. We celebrate, we whistle, we get loud, we get crazy, because we're celebrating people's eternity being changed forever. Um, Today I want to talk to you about if I had only had boundaries, if I had only had boundaries. And this morning, if you're single, this is so good for you to be here. If you're dating, this is so good for you to be here. If you're engaged, it is so good for you to be here. And if you're married, it is incredible for you to be here today because it's applicable for every single one of us. Now, I'm a child of the 80s, and in the 80s, we had no boundaries. You drank from the water hose, and we turned out all right. Um, you didn't wear a seatbelt, right, when you were in the car, and you turned out all right for the most part. Your preferred method of transportation, if your grandpa had a truck, was in the back of his truck bed. Um, you had lead paint in your room, and some of you, you still have a little bit of a twitch, but you're okay. And um, I remember riding in the car with my parents, and because you didn't wear a seatbelt, you had no boundaries. The only boundary with your sibling was the middle line in the back seat, right? That was your boundary. You didn't cross it, or you got whacked. Um, And so whenever my parents would get out of the car, um, and they'd leave the car running every once in a while, not, not a lot, you would climb up the front seat. And you would pretend that you were driving, because that's what you do as a boy. You pretend that you're Bo and Luke Duke, and you're jumping the mountain, the hill. Once again, child of the 80s. Some of you are like, who's the Duke boys? Um, Come see me afterwards, and I'm going to help change your life. Um, But... But I remember five years old, my mom gets out, she's wearing the cutlass, we talked about the hoopty last week, I get up to the front seat of the 83, 84 cutlass, and I pretend I am driving while my mom is dropping off some Tupperware to one of her friends, exchanging Tupperwares, because that's what she did in the 80s, and um, I remember being there, I'm driving, I'm driving, and I hit the gear shift from park to neutral. Now, I'm four or five years old at this time. My feet probably could have reached the pedals and I could have seen out the windshield probably still at that point. 
But I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, it's happening. I'm really going somewhere. You know, and my mom see what, sees what's going on. She starts screaming, starts yelling. She couldn't do anything but just scream and yell. And we're in a neighborhood where cars are going back and forth. And we go, we go. And luckily, there is nobody there. And we roll to a stop. My mom pulls me like in one swift motion. I don't know how moms do this. You can open the door, pick your child up, take the keys out of the car, put it in park, and spank their left cheek and their right cheek. Nobody repeated it. Nobody reported her. They were like, beat that boy harder. Um, and here's the deal. Here's why, here's why I say this is that it wasn't my intention but I didn't have any boundaries in the back seat. I got up where I didn't belong, and I, we, as a result, me and my sister rolled into danger. Can I tell you, that's what happens in life when you and I don't have boundaries when it comes to life, when it comes to relationships. When, when we don't have boundaries, you just kind of drift, you just kind of roll into danger. Let me describe to you, define to you what boundaries are. Boundaries, according to the Webster's Dictionary is something that indicates or fixes a limit. Something that indicates or fixes a limit that you can't go beyond this point or there is danger. Much like a guardrail, much like skiing, there is places that they don't want you to ski because it's simply not safe. There are ski boundaries. You and I no matter our age, no matter our stage, whether we're teenage years or we're retired, you and I, we are better when we have boundaries in our life. And so the first thing I want us to understand is this, is that clear boundaries empower you to live with clarity and safety instead of confusion and trouble. Clear boundaries empower you to live life with clarity and safety instead of confusion and trouble. Some of us would say, oh, I, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just not a boundaries type of guy. Well, then hear me. It's not if, it's just a matter of when you roll, you drift into danger. Because the reality of this, of the situation is this. Nobody can put boundaries in your life except for you. Your parents can't do it. Teenagers, they're going to try Oh, you're not going to hang out with them. You'll figure out a way to hang out with them. I remember my mama told me I couldn't date one girl. I was like, I'm going to date that girl because um, there must be something awesome about her that my mama's trying to keep me away from. Um, you're going to find, you're going to find a way. And nobody can place a boundary in your life except for you. But, but here's it, here it is. This could be another message about boundaries. And great, we make boundaries. Great, we make limits that we're not going to go past. But anybody can make a boundary. But how do you keep a boundary? You know, it's great. Okay, here's my boundary. But how do you maintain your boundaries when you go from dating to married, and I gotta tell you, your boundaries have to change. The way you operated when you were dating and the way you operated when you were engaged and the way you operate when you're married changes a little bit. How, how do you maintain that boundary? How do you maintain it, not just your first two years or your first five years when you're really focused and you're really interested in, in your marriage, but now you've put it on cruise control. How do you not just put it on cruise control and drift and roll into danger? How do you maintain your boundaries, I, I gotta tell you, there's no way you can do it without self-control. 
And self-control is one of the attributes of the fruit of the Spirit that should be active in every single life of a follower of Christ. If you are following after Christ, self-control should be active and it should be evident to those that are around you. Self-control defined is this, restraint exercised over one's own impulses, emotions, or desires. Restraint. Self-control brings restraint to your emotions, your impulses, and your desires. I got to tell you, we need a whole lot more self-control in the church and in our culture in general. Here's what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs chapter 25, 28 says, a person without self-control is like a city without with broken down walls. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. And if you don't have self-control, you're not protecting your life, is what Proverbs is saying. You're not purposefully protecting. If you don't allow self-control to have the rule of your life, you're not protecting your life like you should. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times we come away from days like today, and we're going to give you some homework to talk to your person you're in a relationship with, to talk to your fiance, boyfriend, girlfriend, your, 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 your spouse, and we're going to make boundaries, and we're, we're going to go in, and, and somebody's going to say something, somebody's going to invite us to do something that's going to cross our boundary, and we're going to say, I, I can't. I, I, you know, I, I just can't. Well, why can't you? Oh, your woman's got you whooped, right? You just, your old lady's got you whooped, right? Right? And we're like, oh, shut, shut, shut up, shut up. I'm not whooped. I'll go do it anyways. You know, oh, your, your, your husband's that controlling. Oh, I didn't realize that. And here, it's not about controlling and it's not about being whipped. It's about being wise. And Proverbs says this, and we talked about this in Blind Spots. Proverbs 22.3 says, the wise see danger and avoid it. The wise see danger and they put boundaries up. They avoid it. But the foolish just keep going and get into trouble. Hear me, boundaries help keep you from getting into trouble. Boundaries help you live a life of no regrets. So, what are the things that are threatening our boundaries? What's the things that wants to come into our self-control and eliminate it? Because there's something that breaks our boundaries down. Whether it's being single, whether it's dating, there's something that always seems to eliminate self-control in our life and kind of we just move the boundaries because it's convenient, because it's convenient, because it's convenient. I, I want us to dive into Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, and the, this text of this scripture is setting up the story of Abram before he becomes Father Abraham, and he had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, um, and before he became Abraham and Sarah, his wife, before she became Sarah, um, and it talks about that, that God had come, verse 15, verse, I mean, chapter 15, chapter 14, 
God comes and visits Abraham and says, hey, you are going to be the father of nations. You are going to have a son. Sarah's going to give birth to a son. This is going to happen. And literally, this happens in verse chapter 15. We end chapter 15. God has this amazing moment with Abram, this, this awesome encounter. And like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then verse chapter 16 happens. And it says this, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Now, this is one of the funniest parts of the verse of, of, of the Bible to me, this whole story. Um, if you know a woman named Hagar, run, baby, run. Um, <laughs> verse 2. So, unless she's a Viking, because then that's pretty cool. Um, verse 2. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram... <laughs> Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Okay, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Go sleep with her, okay. Um, so Sarai, Sarai's, so Sarai's, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now, I want us to stop. This, I, I'm not trying to place blame here, but <laughs> this is Sarai's idea, right? It's like, hey, I, I got this. I've got this servant over here. I've got this idea, Abram. You sleep with her, we'll have, we'll have kids. Okay, you know, dummy. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. <laughs> now, when I read the Bible, I get actions, I get tones. So I think Sarai's like whipping her head like, this is all your fault, you know, and like getting all dirty mugging, and this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, and now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. And the Lord will show who's wrong, you or me, Right? And this whole thing becomes dysfunctional. They know what God has for them. They know the promise of God, but they got impatient with God. And I got to tell you, listen to me, impatience for the promise brings dysfunction to your present. When you get impatient for the promise of God to happen and you start acting out of impatience, it always brings dysfunction to your present situation and circumstances. Man, this is what happened with Abram and Sarai. In fact, it says this in Genesis 18 after God changes Abram and Sarai's name to Abraham and Sarah. Sarah, he comes and revisits them and after this whole debacle has happened and an angel comes to Abram and Abraham and says, hey, at this time next year, you're gonna have a child. And Sarah, Sarah's intent, she starts laughing. She's like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, and the angel hears Sarah laughing. He's like, why'd you laugh? She's like, I didn't laugh. And so they didn't talk about lying, but that's a whole nother message. Um, but she says this, she goes, I, I, I'm, I'm an old and worn out woman. I, my time has passed. My window of opportunity is gone. Can I tell you sometimes the difference between seeing your dreams become a reality or your dysfunction becoming a reality is just simply the willingness and self-control to wait on the promise of God. 
And when we don't wait, when we don't allow self-control to take control, and we get impatient, it brings dysfunction to our situation. So here's what I would like to tell every single person right now who's waiting for a relationship. If you're here and you're single, there's nothing wrong with you, first off, okay? We feel like we got some sort of disease and people are walking around with hand sanitizer after we shake their hand like, yep, they're still single and they're in their 20s, they're in their 30s, they're in their, listen to me for a second. Hear, Hear me, when it comes to impatience, hear me. Don't settle for what is available, wait for what's promised. Don't settle for what's available, wait for what is promised. I'm getting old is not a good reason to settle. I'm getting old, <laughs> I'm up in years, all this, you know, we talk ourselves into things. Well, he ain't, a, he ain't that ugly, I guess. You know, I guess, he'll, he'll work. She's, she's not that whiny, you know. She ain't, she ain't got that much baggage. She ain't got that much wear and tear on her, I guess. You know, I've, I've actually heard people say this. Well, you know, my window of opportunity is just closing, so you ain't my dream girl, but I guess I, that'll do. You know, I, it's, you are not buying a car, okay? You don't want to find somebody that'll do, all right? This should be a redneck series right now. Um, don't settle don't become impatient don't settle for what's available wait for what God promised you man stop dating someone instead of waiting for the right one some of us we don't know when we're going to meet the right one. Can I tell you you're never going to meet the right one cuz you're constantly dating the wrong one and he loves you enough not to bring the right one around so you don't screw that up. He loves you that much. But you say I'm just so lonely. I'm this, I'm that. You know, here here's the deal. Set standards and boundaries of who you date and who you're going to marry and don't apologize for it. I don't have, man, this, is, this really is a whole series. I don't have time to go through who you should marry, what they should qualify. It says the light and darkness don't mix. Don't be unequally yoked with non-believers. Here, here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would tell you. If you have to talk yourself into dating them, they aren't the one. If you have to excuse what they're doing to date them, they aren't the one. If you have to apologize for who they are, Don't settle, they aren't the one. If it's always their way, I got to tell you, this ain't gonna happen, they're not the one. If they make you feel bad about yourself, they are not the one. If they don't treat you good right now, ladies, hey, hey, trust me, when they get comfortable with you, they're sure not gonna treat you like they should. They are not the one. And if you can't trust them while you date them, you won't trust them while you marry them. They are not the one. Stop excusing. Teenagers, your standards should be here for who you date. Don't settle for just anyone. Wait for what has been promised. And here's what, here, I get it. I, hear me. I, I am so thankful I am married. I'm glad I'm not single because I would freak out. I remember when my dad started dating after my mom passed away. Five years after he started dating, he's like, I don't know what to do. You know, he's like Ricky Bobby, not knowing what to do with his hands. Like, what do, what do I do right now? I don't know. Like, do I ask her out online? What do, do we go to have a cup of coffee first? Do we dive right into dinner? What do you do? I don't know, you know? 
But it was really cool getting to talk to my dad and walk with him through this whole process. But here's what I hear all the time. Here, I, here let's just be real. Well, Justin, <laughs> there's, no, there's no halfway good-looking normal guys out there anymore. I know they're all taken. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Justin, Justin, there's... <laughs> Justin, there's no non-psycho, non-clingy, halfway attractive girls out there. I know. I, I, I'm not saying I know. Um, <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's not boundaries here, Justin. Um, but, but here's what I would tell you. Okay, okay. I, let me, let's say I give you that. Let's say I say, okay, in this whole world, there is nobody normal as you and as good looking as you. You are the total exception to the rule. Okay, but it is better to be single with no one than be, to be married to the wrong one. Amen. And, and you need to get that inside of you. you. It is better to be perfectly alone with no one than to be together with the wrong one. Don't you settle. Proverbs chapter four, verses five through seven says this. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this. You wanna know how to be wise? It's this, get Wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. How does that happen And when it comes to the area of our relationships? It's simply this, and you're not gonna like it because it goes to self-control and it goes with patience. You gotta go slow and get to know. You gotta go slow and you got to get to know. Proverbs 19, verses two through three, and then verse eight says this, enthusiasm without knowledge, this is one of my favorite Proverbs, is no good. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness, and then they're angry at the Lord. I rushed into this, relate. well, God, why did you let me let this happen to me? Because haste makes mistakes. To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Can I tell you, take your time and get to know the person. Take your time and get wisdom and get understanding and learn to communicate with one another. You notice I didn't say talk to one another because I'm talking about this next week. We're gonna do a whole, ser a whole message on communication next week. Don't just learn to talk to each other. Learn to communicate with one another. There's a big difference but learn to communicate. Man, if you're going on your second marriage, okay, hear me. There's no judgment here. Listen to me. If you're getting remarried for the second time, you better go slow and you better get to know because there's a lot to talk about. There, there's, there, it's not like coming out of college. It's a game changer now. If you got kids, you got to talk about, well, where are the kids at in our relationship, and that's a whole nother different set of boundaries, a whole nother message. I'm not gonna do it right now, you're welcome. <laughs> how, how, how do I, where's my boundaries at? Where, where, where am I at? Well, well, you know, love will conquer all, but that will mess you up if you don't communicate about it. You gotta talk, you gotta be wise and understanding. If you're wise, it will protect you and watch over you. Talk about money. 
Oh, but everybody gets money when you talk about, and everybody gets funny when you talk about money. You're not the pastor I am. Everybody gets funny when I talk about it. <laughs> talk about money. How much debt does she have? How much debt do you have? Are you a spender? Are they a saver? Oh, well, we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. No, you will fall through that bridge and drown in the river. <laughs> Communicate. Learn to talk, and, and here's the promise. If you go slow and you get to know, if you take your time and you don't just rush, and you're not hasty because haste makes mistakes, here's the promise, Proverbs 19.8, the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. It is to your benefit, to their benefit, your relationship's benefit, if it's going to prosper, to go slow and get to know. Here's the last thing I would tell you about boundaries. And this is especially for all of you that are in a relationship, okay? We, we've got boundaries. We know we've got to have self-control. Don't, don't get impatient because, you know, impatience brings dysfunction to our presence. So don't get impatient for the promise. We understand that. That's got to be a, a boundary. We've got self-control. But here's what I got to tell you is that your expectations need a dose of reality, your expectations, my expectations when we come into relationships need a dose of reality. I got to tell you, all of us brought a big old box of expectations to our relationships. You are not exempt from this. We all brought a big box of expectations. I expect my spouse, I expect my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my fiance to do this for me, to do that. And what's crazy to me is some of us, we've been married 20 years and we've never talked about our expectations. And as a result, our unspoken, our uncommunicated expectations are unrealistic expectations. And your expectations and my expectations need a dose of reality because all of us bring expectations. So I asked my wife, this was actually pretty fun for me this week, um, what were some of your expectations about me? And she goes, you know, she just started listing them off. I was like, well, dang, hold on. Let me get a pen and paper. Um, she had them. First one was consistent. I expected you to be you no matter who you were around, no matter where you were, that you're the same on the stage and off the stage, and that's something I really strive to do, is if you get to know me better, hopefully you like me more. Um, but <laughs> that I'm not like, I'm, not, I'm like this at home. It's stupid. Um, but um, <laughs> that I'm consistent. Now, now, that part was pretty easy. Here's where it got a little fuzzy. Um, she expected me to be scheduled and organized. Um, Casey loves her planner. I mean, it's like she gets giddy over buying a calendar every year. I'm like, why? Why are you? <laughs> what in the world? Like, it's a calendar, but it's a new one, and I get to organize myself. Okay, good luck with that. She wanted me to be scheduled and organized. She wanted to make sure that we spent time together, Right? We both dated in college with one another, and when we were in college, man, we got to spend all the time in the world together. Like, all I had was homework. College students, if you're in a relationship, enjoy the moment. It is not a real reality that you are in right now. <laughs> I'm telling you, college is awesome. <laughs> 
Enjoy. Life is awesome, but enjoy this stage because it is totally different. Because we always want the next stage and the next stage. And the older you get, you always wish you could go back to that stage again. And she wanted to spend time together. And I, I like spending time with Casey. I still like spending time with Casey. But once we started working, that time looked different. There was an expectation of we were going to be together all the time, not doing anything but just looking into each other's eyes and telling each other how much we loved one another. Time was one of her expectations. One of her expectations was romance. That smells good. Um, Now, guys, (laughs) keep this G-rated. Her idea of romance is completely different <laughs> than your idea of romance. I'm just being real. It, it's, it's just for the sake of being romantic not to get something in the end. It's the cleanest, best way I could say that. She wanted me to light some candles and dance with her just to dance with her. Come on, girl, let's dance. Um, <laughs> Guys, you got Valentine's Day coming up. Be romantic. Don't just get her flowers. Think about it. She wants to know you put some thought into it. Right, ladies? Put some thought. Think about me, boy. Um, She wanted me to be romantic. All the guys are like, dang it. Need to send the flowers back. She expected me (laughs) to never hurt her feelings. That went out like the second week of our marriage. She expected me, that, would, that had to be met with a dose of reality. And one of the other things was this, is that she thought we would always take pictures together and I would love it. Um, now, we do it because we know we're trapped. Um, I don't know a guy in my life that's like, can we please take more pictures, babe? Um, there's a photo booth over there and I've really been aching to take my picture with all the props. But here's the other thing, is that she, she thought life would be easy if she married the right person. See, we bring in expectations that need to be met with a dose of reality. Now, my expectations were very realistic. <laughs> my expectations is that we would travel the world, we would do things spur of the moment, a calendar, schmalendar. Um, we would just, if it sounded good, let's go do it, man. Um, we would go do stuff. It would be adventurous. It would be awesome. Um, I don't mean this. We would do things all the time, spur of the moment, and then we had children, right? And so that went right out the door. Kiss it goodbye. See you when you go to college. Um, Come back again. I expected, and maybe expected is a strong word. Ladies, don't kill me here. Um, I expected my wife to cook for me. And some of you are like, oh, she cooked for me in college, and she's a great cook. She's a great baker. She'll make a pie that will change your life. Um, And I just want to make sure that I allow her to operate in her gifting. So I had the expectation that, man, I'm just going to let her go. She's she's going to cook for me. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be wonderful. And and then my last one, which this one really is not uh, a bad expectation, excessive expectation, is that I expected Casey Graves never to come to bed in this. Um, (laughs) I don't care how old she gets. I don't care if her kids call her mamaw. She ain't mamaw to me. Okay? You ain't showing up in my hood in a moo-moo. We're a moo-moo free zone. I'm just telling you. 
this, ladies, this, men, if you didn't tithe, you better go back and give in the offering because I just saved your bacon. Um, <laughs> I don't care how much your husband says, babe, you look great in anything. You do not look great in this. And I give you there's some snap button action, but... <laughs> <laughs> I just realized it snapped that during first service. I was like, hey, um, it's got to be a move free zone. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. <laughs> oh, man. I hope we get it back together here. Um, <laughs> We are consumed with our expectations. It's just true. Our needs, our expectations, we get fixated on. And here's what the Bible says in Philippians chapter two, verse three through four. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others, but be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. And I gotta tell you, that's so important in your marriage. That's so important when it comes to your spouse. Don't look out only for your own interest or expectations, but take an interest in others too. Can I tell you, man, I'm closing with this right here. But if you're going, your marriage is gonna be healthy, if it's gonna thrive, you've got to not just look to your own expectations, your own interest, but what is my spouse expecting from me? What is my spouse needing from me? What, what, what is she needing? What is he needing? What is my fiance needing? How, how can I serve my fiance in the area of our relationship? How can I set up borders that are, are, are realistic, boundaries that are realistic in my life to where I'm not bringing in a box of expectations that have no dose of reality, but I understand I'm not putting undue pressure on my relationship. Can I tell you the only way these boundaries get set when it comes to expectations is by you communicating about them? And you've got to talk about them. Married couples, and I'm gonna say this, I wish I would've said it in first service. This one belongs in marriage and marriage alone. Your sex life needs to be talked about. It does, that's a great amen. <laughs> He's the only one that tells the truth in this whole place. <laughs> Can I tell you? For too long, the church has been quiet about it because we're like uncomfortable, and so we've let Hollywood define what sex is and what a healthy sex life looks like. That's messed up, that's stupid. Hollywood is unrealistic, and guys, your expectation's unrealistic. So what does a realistic expectation look like in the confines of my marriage? And if you don't talk about it, guys, you can't gripe about it. You, you get what you tolerate, fellas. And so you get what you put up with. And if you're not willing to talk in a loving way, man, do something to change it. And wives, don't just know the need, but meet the need. 
Guys, you know what? You're going to have to communicate about what's the expectations I have when it comes to social media, when it comes to email, when it comes to my cell phone. What, what are the expectations? What are the expectations dealing with the opposite sex? Because i got to tell you, there's got to be expectations. There's got to be boundaries that you put up there. Your expectations aren't going to look like mine. Your boundaries aren't going to look like mine. But there needs to be something that you guys agree to that you say, okay, here's what I'm expecting you to, to interact in the confines here. Here's the boundaries of that. And I think this is realistic. Where are your boundaries at when it comes to that? Where's your expectations when it comes to saying, telling the truth? Because can I tell you, if we learn to tell the truth and we're not lying, lying, we're not covering anything up. Where's your boundaries at? Where's your expectations at? What do you do with unrealistic expectations? You've got to communicate and you've got to work through them. Let me remind you what boundaries are. It's something that indicates or fixes a limit. I close with this. I'm done. Hear me tonight, or this morning, excuse me, tonight. I've been talking about romance. Um, hear me this morning. <laughs> Is this. Hey, I'm, I, I'm your pastor. And for too long, there's been marriages. Our marriages are under attack I got to tell you, too many times there's dysfunction that's rising up in our marriage, and I want you to fight. Man, I am for you as your pastor. I want you to thrive. I'm not trying to put, like, to, to like weigh you down with more work. Oh, great, I've got to talk to my wife. It's not what this is about. This is about I want to see your relationship. I want to see your marriage succeed. I want this to be a church where we have marriages that it's common that people are celebrating their 25th and their 30th and their 40th and their 45th and their 50th and their 60th. And that it's just a place where things are thriving and there's marriages happening. But you got to do the work because, hear me, the only person that could put boundaries up and use the self-control to maintain them is you. And so I close with this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. It's out of the message translation. They don't have it up in the AV room because I saw this Saturday night when I was studying. And it says this. It says, so this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your heads, your head, and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent and not just sentimental gush. I'm gonna read that one more time because this is my prayer for your relationships. This is my prayer for, for your marriage. This is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Wait for the promise and don't settle for the dysfunction. Man, wait for what you want most instead of settling for what's available now. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for this message, for your word, and for this challenge. And God, I pray for whatever phase we're in, whether we find ourselves alone, whether we find ourselves dating, engaged, or married, that, Lord, your word would speak to us, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but we would be doers. And Lord, I pray that Philippians 1.9 would be real in our life. 
that we love well. And Lord, your word says learn to love well, that we would learn to love well. We would learn to love appropriately, that we would be intelligent using our head and not just following our feelings. God, give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And God, help us to yield to you, Holy Spirit, so that self-control can be evident and active in our life as we set up boundaries, but we use self-control to maintain them. In Jesus' name, I pray with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you say, Justin, I'm here. And man, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance. You may be here today, and maybe you just walked away, and you're not where you should be in your relationship with Christ. Can I tell you, man, God's not standing there in judgment. He's there with open arms, ready for you to come home. And if that's you, when I count to three, if you just raise your hand, we're going to lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one hand. There's two. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. There's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. There's four. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me today. And man, there's a change that needs to happen because I've just drifted away. And man, I need to come back home. I need to get it right with the Lord before we go any further in service. You join these four hands that are raised. If you raised your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life that you have for me. God, I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv.